0: For the Cubs Corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner. My name is Anthony Pasquale and as always this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill. Located at 6169 North Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago. Always great food but times are changing a little bit going back to stage 3 in Chicago so they will keep you updated on their Facebook page in regards to staying open and what hours as well as how to get food to you so make sure to keep an eye on that and if you can get to coaches we've got a very special episode here sorry for the brief hiatus the Cubs season of course ended the Miami Marlins swept the Cubs out of Wrigley Field and the playoffs after winning their first division title since 2017. Here to recap the action in the playoffs make some division and award predictions, as well as talk about COVID-19 and how MLB handled it. We've got our AL expert, Robert Fiorante, joining us. Thanks for the call, Bob. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me. One of the worst days of the year, the day after baseball
0: ends. Yeah, absolutely. Baseball ended yesterday evening. The Los Angeles Dodgers won their first World Series in 32 years, the first since 1988. They beat the Tampa Bay Rays, who unexpectedly, surprisingly, and entertainingly made it and nearly won the World Series a lot of production from all over the place nonetheless Corey Seeger gets named World Series MVP Clayton Kershaw gets their ring la wins another championship
1: yeah one of the most surprising things out of this baseball season was there was really no home field advantage um, after the first round and there was no there, it was a bigger format and the two best teams in each league still made it to the uh, to the world Series so you got to love that um, Rays were the one seat, Dodgers were the one seat, but like you said, Rays just could not compete with that huge payroll of the Dodgers.
0: Yeah, I think they said with baseball prorated salaries this year, Mookie Betts and Clayton Kershaw combined to make just two million less than the entire Rays organization, which is insane. A credit to the Rays for getting to the World Series, right?
1: Yeah, huge credit to the Rays there, um, and the other thing about it is there's definitely no asterisk to this baseball season. We had talked about that before, but with the two best teams going into a, um, into into really a, a great series, the Dodgers did deserve that World Series. Yeah, I
0: mean, the the playoffs were almost 50% of the entire regular season. I think the playoffs, winning that is harder this year than it has been in any year. There were more series to get through, so I think... There has to be no asterisk on this season. In fact, I think it's more impressive to win. But nonetheless, the roster that we set at the beginning of the year was the best team on paper. That's the team that took home a World Series title. And the other team that lost it, they have certain organizational views. And partially that's why they got to the World Series, but they were really exposed in Game 6 and for not a good reason.
1: Right. Um, the the Rays pride themselves on, on uh, analytics and doing things their own way um you see that with four man outfields against will smith you see it with a lot with shifts in the infield too um but but they also really don't believe in um, pitchers facing guys the third time through like you said we saw that with blake Snell; he had not gone six innings since july of last year We, we all everyone in america thought that would end um yesterday obviously it didn't he was taken out after five and a third and it just and the wheels fell off the wagon after that one so you you hate to see it for Blake Snell but that's what they believe in and that's why they were there
0: yeah that is why they were there it worked in game seven in the ALCS when they pulled Charlie Morton for the same reason didn't want to go through that lineup the third time around but Snell was arguably pitching better than he has since July of last year he was pitching out of his mind nine strikeouts just two hits allowed those five and a third innings. He only recorded 18 outs, I believe, and struck out nine of those batters, so he was really feeling his pitches. Uh, John Smoltz said on the broadcast it was the first time it looked like all four of his pitches were plus pitches. They were coming around to that top of the order the third time around, and Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, and Justin Turner were a combined 0-for-6 with six strikeouts. I understand your analytics and your science, but At some point, you got to go with your gut, and everybody's gut in America, it seemed like, was all with Blake Snell continuing to mow down those Dodgers.
1: Yeah, for sure. He looked like he was a Cy Young winner a couple of years ago, and he looked like his Cy Young self. Everything, like you said, was working for him. And the other thing is, if he would have given up, let's say, two runs in that inning, nobody nobody says a word to Kevin Cash, because it just he, he was just dominant. So you gotta ride with him. If he gives up two runs, he gives up two runs. It is what it is. Or at least if you would have gotten in more trouble. He wasn't in barely, it
0: was one out of guy on first. It's not like it was a dire situation for the Rays. Yeah, and reminded a lot of Cubs fans of when Joe Madden pulled Kyle Hendricks out of Game 7 of the World Series. Um, not necessarily for the same analytics reason, but That move was highly questioned, even though the Cubs won. So obviously this move is going to be highly questioned with the Rays' loss. Nonetheless, Kevin Cash did a lot for the Rays this season. There are some people who think he should be fired after yesterday. I personally think that is almost impossible to do because it's an organizational-wide thinking. But what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, I think nobody is going to defend Kevin Cash more than the Rays' front office. Obviously, even the players. I was surprised the players did not back him up. Kevin Caramire said you got to roll with him. Blake Snell said he was highly disappointed, obviously. Um, No doubt about that. But I think the Rays front office would back him. I think to even get to a World Series as a team like the Rays, to have the best record in the AL, there's no way. He's he's a candidate for manager of the year. Probably is going to win it. There's no way you fire him after that.
0: I agree. Um, Once they made that move, Mookie Betts hit a double. Uh, That made it second and third. Um, before you know it, the runner on third scored, I believe, it was Austin Barnes, and then Mookie Betts scored on a ground ball to G-Man Choi, making it 2-1 to Dodgers. They never looked back. The bullpen was very solid for L.A., and then all of a sudden, Mookie Betts tacks out another homer, and then you knew the Dodgers were about to win a World Series.
1: Yeah, one run down the race maybe could have got something going, a stolen base after a base hit or something. But once Mookie hit that home run, it it was time to start talking about just, just who was going to win the MVP.
0: Exactly, and it was Corey Seager who won it, not Mookie Betts, but Corey Seager had an outstanding postseason, a lot of homers. Uh, kind of a coming-out party for him after a kind of slow couple of seasons battling injuries. But another huge thing to talk about. Randy Arozarena set an all-time new record for home runs and hits in a postseason. Granted, there were a little bit more games this year, but nonetheless, no batter has ever hit 10 homers in a postseason, and Randy did it. He started it. He started game six with one off of Gonsolin, so great effort from him. Uh, he's a star in the making.
1: Yeah, the, I mean, the man, the man did it himself for, the, for, for much of the series, much of the postseason. You look at that Rays lineup. Besides Kevin Kiermaier, who had over a 300 average, nobody else hit for the Rays. A couple times, Manny Margot got a hit here and there. But the entire team, you're just... When the Rays are up there, all the other teams were looking at was, oh, where are we? Are we almost at Randy? Because he's the only guy that was going to come through for him. And it, and it held in the, in the World Series. So if you look at that whole Rays team, you would think that they probably got eliminated in the first round or something. Randy did it himself, and you just feel bad. You wish that guy would have won a World Series for his efforts. But unfortunately, his teammates could not pick
0: him up. Yeah, and as much as you want to place your blame on Kevin Cash, uh, giving up three runs to the Dodgers is impressive. The thing that they were lacking is offense. You think maybe a small market team might go out and spend a little bit um, to upgrade that offense, but Rays put together a great season nonetheless. And it was a season done under a pandemic. COVID-19 was ever-present shut down the Miami Marlins, shut down the St. Louis Cardinals for a few weeks at a time. Um, baseball spent millions of dollars on tests and, and travel and things like that, and in the end they were able to complete the season. Um, they made it almost 60 full days without a positive test, and they went into the bubble. But somehow, in Game 6 of the World Series, Justin Turner finds out he has a positive test. The Dodgers pull him from the game in the 8th. They reportedly found out in the 2nd about it. And then all of a sudden, Turner's on the field celebrating, holding the trophy, kissing his wife, hugging his teammates after the game. So not a great look for the MLB or the Dodgers. Obviously not a safe or respectful look either. How does that happen?
1: I have no idea. The entire point of going into the bubble was supposed to be so you didn't have to worry about this whatsoever. Man, MLB is so lucky that the Rays did not win that game because you probably got to hold off the series for 10 days. Something like that. You got to do something um, once that happens. So they're lucky the season ended yesterday. I have no idea how or where. If it was a true positive, I have no idea where Justin Turner got the virus. And beyond that point, I, I wasn't. I didn't love him going back out on the field. But if you're going to go back on the field to just take a picture, put a mask on. What are you doing? Like it made no sense the way that the um, events unfolded. Like I just, it, 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 it was like unbelievable to
0: be honest with you. Yeah, a a lot of people were like, you know, he worked all his life for that moment, lost that World Series twice, give him a chance to celebrate. But at the same time, what about all these people that worked for their degrees and didn't get a chance to walk on stage? They didn't just do it just because they worked for it. They had to respect protocols and things like that. I think it's a terrible look that he came back on the field. Um, Obviously, it's a huge question mark how he got it, but you just start thinking about the maybes and the ifs and You know, what if he gave it to a player who gave it to the wife who gave it to the kids or brings it home to the mom and dad when they celebrate the championship? You know, a lot of question marks, Um, of course, praying for the safety and health of Turner and anybody else involved, but not a good look nonetheless.
1: No, and unfortunately, that is it has overshadowed a lot of the moment for the Dodgers. Um, Hopefully, it doesn't overshadow the whole moment, and I don't think it will, but it's definitely going to play a role in like celebration once they get back. Are they going to be able to leave the hotel? We don't know, so... Unfortunately, that overshadows a big part of the night, but um, it shouldn't because the Dodgers played really well. The bullpen played outstanding after Gonsolin. I mean, they gave up probably two hits the rest of the night. They looked great, so it should not overshadow the night for the Dodgers.
0: I'm with you there. Nonetheless, the season ends with a Los Angeles Dodgers World Series victory, and with that, Corey Seager won the World Series MVP. And speaking of awards, we'll get into our predictions for the awards that will be announced very soon in the MLB. We'll start with the MVP of both leagues. For me, in the National League, I think it was Fernando Tatis's race to lose, and I think he lost it in the last weeks of the season. I think Freddie Freeman and the Braves, who really came on strong, I think Freeman deserves that MVP. Um, He's one of the guys I said early on. I said both Tatis and Freeman have a good shot. I've loved Freeman. Mr. Consistent, nobody ever realizes it, but he really deserves it. I think Mookie Betts could get some consideration as well.
1: Yeah, and I think the postseason should never – I mean, it never is supposed to go – like it'd be a factor in the MVP, but Freddie Freeman's team just finally broke through and almost got to the World Series. Obviously we only care about the regular season. I agree with you. I think it should be Freddie Freeman. He's the staple. He's been the staple in Atlanta for years and he and I think he had his best season. The second half of the shortened season, he was unbelievable. I think the first couple of weeks it was because of this bout with COVID. He he was one of the guys who had like 104 fever So, obviously, he was struggling with that. But after that, my God, he was unbelievable. Average. Hitting for average, hitting for power, RBIs, home runs, didn't matter. And, obviously, he always does it on defense, too. So, I am in agreement with you. It's got to be Freddie Freeman.
0: Yeah, I think Tati struggled down the stretch, but he'll certainly receive votes. I would not be surprised if he won. Um, Juan Soto was unbelievable. Maybe the best season ever recorded by an offensive player, but he didn't qualify for a lot of these awards because he missed time from COVID as well. But he he was unbelievable. Also, I think Tatis and Soto will be battling for NL MVPs maybe for the next decade. And uh, Mookie Betts was great in the postseason, great late in the regular season, but I think Freddie Freeman's uh, resume beats them all. In the American League, um, you know, Trout will get his votes. He's the best player in baseball. Um you know, I think you got to give it to your white sock there Jose Abreu. I think he was unbelievable. He averaged over an RBI a game which is unheard of, really powered that team to the playoffs. Um, Tim Anderson will probably get some votes as well. Um, and there are some other players in the American League. I think Shane Bieber could even pick up some votes, but I think it's Jose Abreu's award.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, not even as a biased observer here, but I, it's got to be Jose. The man was putting up numbers only seen by Hack Wilson, RBI-wise, so it, it was unbelievable to watch throughout the year, especially as a White Sox fan. The only thing for me is I hope that he does not split votes with Tim. Obviously, they had a year that was better than ex- that a lot of people expected, so Tim also had a great year, especially average-wise. Um, but Jose, I don't think he's getting the love that he should get for defense. He saved a lot of errors from Tim, um, from Yohan, Um, just the infield in general. So that part of his game has improved so much, but offensively you just can't beat it this year. It's got to be Jose. I don't think it's Nelson Cruz. I don't think it's Bieber, and I don't think it's Trout either. They were never really in the race at all. So it's got to be Jose
0: for me. Yeah, I think uh, Jose Ramirez and DJ LeMay, who really put a uh, stamp on their resumes late in the season as well, but I'd give it to Jose. Um, I think he earned it. It kind of reminds me of when Bryant and Rizzo were both getting thoughts in – 2016, but it ended up going to Bryant despite that, and I think it'll end up going to Abreu this time around. Yeah, I, I
1: certainly hope so, and I, and I hope he can keep it up for
0: years to come. And in the National League Cy Young race, I, I thought it was you, Darvish of the Cubs award to lose. He still finished with a lot of great statistics, um, batting average on balls in play, strikeout rate, um, walks per nine innings, etc., etc. He really lit it up, um, but I think Trevor Bauer really made a push towards the end of the season, especially pitching on short rest to power the Reds into the playoffs. Um, Despite how loud he is on social media, he quietly turned in one of the best performances we've seen from a pitcher in a long time late down the stretch. So give me Trevor Bauer as the National League Cy Young.
1: Yeah, Trevor was unbelievable. He really separated himself in the last couple weeks of the season. Like you said, he was right up there with – um, with you, but it 's got to be trevor there 's no other way to do it. The man was unbelievable. He gave up he, like you said he 's huge on social media, but he backed it up this year a lot after a rough start with the Reds last season after he was traded he like he said in years past he he likes one year deals um, he likes to go to a team for one year, prove himself again, sign with another team, or sign with the same team for one year. He maximizes his value, and, man, does he back up his words.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you had to place um, a thought on where he ends up next year uniform-wise, what team are you picking?
1: You know, I think a good spot for him that's just never going to happen is Houston because they really needed a lot of pitching. It's just never going to happen. But that's one of the teams. I think the White Sox are in there. I don't think they'll spend the money for him. Um, I, I I would not like to see him go to the Yankees, but that's probably another great spot for him. Um, they, they need another pitcher, and especially if it's a one-year deal, they can afford him. So I'd like to say either the Yankees or the Angels in my mind.
0: Yeah, I like the Yankees. I also think the Angels are going to be in play, teams that really lack that arm. Um, I could see them going back to the Reds. Uh, they're a team that right. could still fit there. And if you're looking at young and up-and-coming teams, you mentioned the White Sox. The Padres could be a team involved as well. Um, I also see them fitting in Atlanta. I, I could see but you know he all 30 teams are really on the board for Bauer maybe not the Cubs he seems to not like the Cubs despite his relationship with you Darvish I don't see him um, going to Houston either just because of the way his relationship has been with that team and I doubt he goes back to Cleveland but every other team really should be in play I think.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's definitely going to be a contending team. I, I think he wants to go to a contending team. But like you said, I didn't even think about it. The Reds might be the best situation for
0: him. Yeah, it certainly could be. You go to the American League, Cy Young, it's really not even a question. Um, actually, I'll go back to NL real quick. Jacob deGrom should also get votes. Another great year from him. Max Fried was in the running, too, until his injury. But flipping to the American League, um, it's really a one-horse race. at Shane Bieber. I know he only had 12 starts or whatever, but the ERA was unbelievable. Below one, or I think just above one, really great year from Shane Bieber. Um, did a lot of things that the Indians needed. They traded one of their best pitchers away because they had so much confidence in Bieber to carry that team to the playoffs.
1: Yeah, they did. And unfortunately for him, it did not roll over to the playoffs. That doesn't matter. The man won the triple crown in pitching strikeouts, ERA, and uh, wins. whatever... And, yeah, and so he won the triple crown in pitching. The man's got to get it. There's no question about it. Shane Bieber.
0: Absolutely. We head back to the National League for the Rookie of the Year race. And and this one's a little bit closer than people realize, I think, um, because of his impact on a really good team. I think Tony Gonsolin would be my pick. But I know your pick is a little bit different, same division, though. Yeah,
1: for me, I'm going with Jake Cronenworth of the San Diego Padres. played a lot of second base this year. Um, they they actually became a deadly duo up the middle, him and Tatis. Cronenworth hit over 300 on the year. He played really well defensively, which I was surprised at because I don't think second base is his natural position, but he played really well there. Um, so for me, it's Cronenworth. The other guy for me would be Alec Boehm of the Phillies. He was their most deadly offensive hitter, believe it or not, with Harper in that lineup, with other guys, with uh, Reese Hoskins, with JT. Alec Bohm was the guy down the stretch. He got a few big hits to keep them in the race, couple of walk-offs even. So it's either Cronenworth or Bohm for me, and I go Cronenworth.
0: And in the American League, it seems like a two-horse race, um... Granted, if this was the regular season, it would be Randy Rosarena's award. no question about it, but you know the the is not supposed to matter, so I don't even see a getting any votes. He wasn't that good in the regular season. It's going to come down to your guy, Luis Robert, who had an electrifying start but kind of fell off towards the end and Kyle Lewis of the Seattle Mariners, who pretty much stayed consistent all year long, finished higher in a lot of categories than Robert. I would probably give it um, to Kyle Lewis.
1: Yeah. Luis Robert, Kyle Lewis. It was, it was such a great race to watch for the first couple months, but like you said, a two horse race. And for me, one horse died on the last lap of the race there. And that would be Luis Robert. He went like seven for 60 in his last 60, at bet something ridiculous like that. He was horrible, um, in September. So I don't think he's even got a shot to be honest with you. It's gotta be Kyle Lewis. He was so impressive the entire year, start to finish on a Mariners team that was not even that good at all. Um, They really were never in contention to do anything, but Kyle Lewis got to be him, and it it pains me to say it.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Kyle Lewis, definitely the guy who earned it there. Sorry for saying Luis Robert. I know it's Robert. Um, I, I always mix that one up every once in a while, but it's good to see the White Sox and the Cubs both involved in a lot of these awards. We've got one one Last award to predict here. It's the Manager of the Year. We'll start here with the National League. There's a lot of guys that could get it. Um, I I think you really got to look at the teams that battled COVID, and and my vote goes to Don Mattingly. Um, I think with that team who was expected to do absolutely nothing, any analyst worth their salt had the Marlins last in that division, and it, they expected it to be very competitive and say what you want, that COVID benefited them, I think it might have hurt them. I think they could have won more games and, and maybe even won that division. I think the Marlins were exceeded expectations by a lot, and a lot of that has to do with their manager handling COVID. They had over 50 pitchers pitched. It's unbelievable. They, I think, made it through almost August without a starting pitcher getting more than one win. They They did all these crazy things so many transactions, et cetera, et cetera, and somehow made the playoffs win into the second round. i got to give it to Don Mattingly.
1: Yeah, Don Mattingly was great this year, no doubt about it. They really embraced the bottom feeders. Uh, what somebody, Some writer put that on them after the first weekend, like the Phillies, you can't lose to a bottom feeder. And they really embraced that throughout the year. Um, they had a great year. But for me, it's Jace Tingler of the Padres. Um, they had a little bit of higher expectations than the Marlins, no doubt about it. But they exceeded that. They were the second-best team in the National League. Um, got the four seed because they were in the division with the juggernaut Dodgers. But for me, the Padres exceeded the expectations I had for them. I know you had them as a wild-card team, but I didn't think they'd play that well. Um, they made they made the right moves. Jace, I think Jace played really he, – he utilized his bullpen really well. Um, to go along with his starters. So for me, it's Jace Tingler of the
0: Padres. All righty, those are probably the two favorites. I think Mike Schilt of the Cardinals, uh, David Ross in his rookie season with the Cubs, and Dave Roberts um, from the Dodgers will also get some looks as well. We head to the American League. Um, There's a lot of different ways you could go with it. I think Kevin Cash has to be your favorite. The Rays ended up as the number one seed aside from the juggernaut. I think you also got to consider Aaron Boone, The Yankees battled so many injuries, and they still found a way to turn it on down the stretch. I know their roster is loaded, blah blah blah, but you got to give some effort. I mean, some credit to the effort from Aaron Boone. Um, I think Ricky Renteria will also get a look here because the White Sox exceeded expectations. But for you as a White Sox fan, I know you guys weren't completely impressed with Ricky, and neither were the White Sox as they have gotten rid of him now. So those are probably the three favorites, and I think Kevin Cash ultimately takes it home.
1: Yeah, I mean, that would just be something if, if, if Ricky wins uh, manager of the year after getting fired. That'd be hilarious, but I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen. Um, he did have a, he had an all right year, but White Sox fans, he did not manage the bullpen well. We don't like him too much. Um, he, I, I just, I couldn't believe the half the lineups he put out there. So yeah, no, no Ricky for me. Um, for me, it's between Kevin Cash and Bob Melvin of the A's. They finally broke through and won the division. Um, which is something they they did in like the early, te- like 13, 14, somewhere around there. But it's been the Astros' division in a couple of years past. Obviously, none of the other teams really had a great record. But I love what the A's did this year. But I, it's got to be Kevin Cash. Number one seed with that k with the way they do it. I mean, you ask a random sports fan on the street, they can't name four guys on the Rays. So it's, it's, it was unbelievable for Kevin Cash. And unfortunately for him and the Rays, the magical ride ended yesterday. Yeah,
0: I'm yeah. with you there. And, and as we head into this offseason, there's a lot unknown. We don't know how COVID will affect the next season. We don't know how the pandemic and a lot of the losses financially these owners have faced will affect their budget for the offseason, how much they can spend, how much they'll be willing to spend, or if a lot of teams are going to be trying to shed payroll what contracts will look like coming up. So there's a lot of unknowns coming up for these teams. The White Sox will be looking to add. The Cubs probably looking to shed money and change the way their team looks because, you know, like our coach in baseball in high school, Coach Kaczynski, would say, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So the Cubs cannot possibly Roll out that same offense that disappoints in October again and again. So there will be some changes, but we don't know how the financial landscape would look. What do you think about the finances of the league?
1: Yeah, I think it's tough. I think that these, these, uh, these owners are going to be able to cover it. I think they'll be able to recover, it, especially those who, first of all, like the Yankees Dodgers, they have huge payrolls to begin with, but especially those who get a lot of fans during the year. Um, You might see a little bit of bumped prices at the ballpark, which no one wants to see because prices are already ridiculous. But you might see a couple changes like that, maybe increased price of tickets. But I think no doubt about it, at at some point throughout the year, they're going to make up the revenue. The problem for me is like the Rays kind of a team. They don't get a lot of fans. They don't have a big revenue. Um, A couple other smaller teams. But I think maybe you'll also see not so much free agency spending. Um, you probably won't see a lot of teams going over the salary cap or the luxury tax, things like that. You might try to. You might see a couple teams try to cut back on spending players and other ways this year.
0: Yeah, I think we might see a little bit of the rich get richer with the Yankees and Dodgers going out and getting the Bowers and the Lindors and things like that, much like last year with Mookie and, and, and things like that. Garrett Cole record uh, contract as well. But you look at the Cubs, they're a team that um, reportedly, obviously the books will never get open, but... They make over 70% of their budget on game day revenue, and they didn't have that revenue this year, and they already have the most expensive ticket, most expensive game experience in the league. So the longer and longer the Cubs are without fans, the more likely the Cubs have to shed a lot of payroll.
1: Yeah, for sure, no doubt about it. But one of the things about the Cubs is whenever those doors open again, full capacity or not, fans will be in there. They love their Cubs, and they will make it up.
0: I agree with you there. We head to the Cubs and the Sox. If you had to grade the Sox on their season and the Cubs, I'll let you do both. What would you give grade-wise?
1: You know, I think the Sox at least the the big chunk of their season was the middle part. They started off slow, and they ended really slow. But the middle chunk was so impressive. So just off that, that's an A. But for the season as a whole, I think I'd give it a B, maybe a B- minus for not getting out of the first round. Um, you know it's just the offense was incredible the throughout most of the season especially against lefty so you gotta love what they did in the offseason um keichel had a sub two era to end the season did not perform that well in the post in the postseason but the pitching staff is really where you need to address things um dane dunning you got you got Dylan C. so guys like that you need to address they did not play all that well so every as the team as a whole, I'll give a B minus two for getting eliminated by a matt chaplist Matt Chapman A's team in the first round. Um, so B minus for the sox this year, especially for Ricky getting yanked, getting hooked. Um, you, you just can't love what you see from that lens.
0: For me for the White Sox, I would give him a B plus I think um, for most people that aren't sox fans, the White Sox really turned heads and exceeded expectations this year. Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson were unbelievable. Louis, Louis Robert was on pace for a, um, a rookie of the year if he didn't fall off towards the end. And like you said, Keichel and Giolito were unreal. So I think you got to give credit where it's due. Give the White Sox a B plus For me, for the Cubs, I would give them a B-. Minus. They won the division despite not being expected to. They didn't have a lot of expectations this year coming off of last year. And they lit it up early and then kind of treaded water to the playoffs, got knocked out. Um, A lot of their offensive stars struggled mightily, but big seasons from Ian Happ, Jason Hayward, and then Hugh Darvish and Kyle Hendricks were unbelievable, especially down the stretch. So I'd give the Cubs a B minus, maybe a C plus, but nothing too spectacular.
1: Yeah, like you said, maybe I, going back to the Sox, maybe I had too high of expectations. They did play well throughout the year and they did break their playoff drought, so that's good. For the Cubs, I'd give them a C-plus um, only because they, they kind of cruised to a division championship. They like, Unless they had a complete meltdown, they were winning the division this year. Um, the Cardinals in second, I think were, uh, they hovered 500 for the entire year because of the COVID. Um, and the Reds never really came around. Um, so for me, I'd give them a C-plus only because they, they really didn't show me a sense of urgency. Especially against the Marlins, getting swept, that wasn't good. Um, and during the year, I feel like they didn't really have, like they just had to keep afloat as a team and they were going to win that division. And they did just enough to do that. So C-plus for me.
0: Seven AL and NL Central teams made the playoffs. Not one got out of the first round. What does that tell you?
1: Yeah, that's bad. Um, that's real bad. That tells me that there's no powerhouse in either division. Like um, you've got the Yankees or the Rays or somebody like that. you got the Dodgers. The Braves are really good. Um, for the centrals, it tells me that there's no one team that stands out above the rest. There's a lot of mediocre, mediocrity in the centrals. That's what it tells me. Yeah, and for
0: me, despite that looking like teams could rebuild and get good, it also means the divisions are very wide open, so you never know how next year might look. But for now, that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. I'll be talking to you guys later this week, answering fan questions that I've received on Facebook, Twitter, and um, Snapchat as well. If you guys have any questions, make sure to get them to me or the Cubs HQ website. But for now, Bob, thanks for coming on the show. We'll have to have you on soon.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Can't wait.
0: As always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and & Grill and available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, excuse me, and the Cubs HQ website. But for now, thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.